0: This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Understanding that an ultra-competitive training environment is the most important element when it comes to development in structured club soccer is crucial if you are trying to make the best decision for where your player needs to be. The training environment is oftentimes hard to judge. That is why things like clubs and leagues tend to be more persuasive recruiting tools than individual teams with proper training environments. And we want to clear some of that up today. In the previous three episodes, we've discussed solutions to the competitive problems for individuals, such as playing up one or even two age groups. We've discussed the needs for coaches to strike a balance between fun and competition during training so that players fully embrace the highly intense, everyday competitive process. And we've also discussed the developmental benefits of teams playing against opponents that are significantly superior and significantly inferior. And today, we are going to discuss the most important element when it comes to player development in structured club soccer, and that is the ultra-competitive training environment. Because with all of the recent changes to the youth soccer landscape, you might be struggling with the question of where your player should be in order to maximize their potential. So, if you find yourself in a situation where you need to decide where to put your player, you need to consider how much of an impact the training environment has on them, compared to any other element. Make sure you stick around until the end so you hear the answers to your questions from last week's episode. And before we get started today, a quick message about our online coaching program. When it comes to coaching education, being able to discern what will and won't help you can be a costly and confusing exercise. I know this because I've experienced it myself. It's frustrating. The Internet is flooded with so much information. There are thousands of drills out there for you to watch there are tons of things that you can try with your teams and with your players. But without context and without proper guidance from a legit mentor, you're not going to get the edge that you're looking for or the results that you want. That's what the 343 Premium Coaching Education Program gets right. It's rooted in the real experiences of coaching boys and girls soccer right here in America. As a coach, Brian Kleiban has faced the same issues like training just twice per week, kids missing practice, field congestion, to play, you name it. But by using the 343 framework and staying consistent with the methodology, he has been able to overcome the obstacles and produce college level, professional and international caliber players. What the 343 coaching program offers you is unlike anything else in the country, because it cannot be replicated. It's not theory or speculation like you'd see in a presentation, and it's not staged and scripted, Like you'd get at a convention. This program is the work of a master practitioner, his real art, captured and delivered to you in its purest form to help you gain an advantage and become a better coach. The program features videos of Brian mic'd up during actual training sessions with his own players and teams as they prepare for their league games and tournaments. This is the only program in the country that gives you this type of authentic, behind the curtain look at player, team, and coach development. So if you're looking for just drills, well, we've got those, but more importantly, we have the mentorship, the proven results, and the community of ambitious coaches that you won't find anywhere else. To experience all of this, consider joining the 343 Premium Coaching Education Program. You can find all of the details at 343coaching.com. As we've discussed before, There are five major components that influence player development. Those are the household parent family influence, the playing on your own influence, the pickup game influence, the structured club training influence, and the personal training influence. Recently, we started dissecting the structured club training influence. This was prompted, in part, by some major changes to the American youth soccer landscape. Specifically, the closure of USSF's Development Academy, which was formerly the top youth national league in the country, and it was in operation for just over a decade. The league serviced hundreds of clubs and tens of thousands of players during its reign. When it closed, a lot of people rightfully panicked. I think a lot of people thought that the elimination of the league meant that players wouldn't have the proper arena for development. But what they failed to realize is that leagues offer just a small fraction of what a good competitive training environment can do for a player. Then, an even smaller and more exclusive youth league, led by Major League Soccer, was announced. Comprised of just 95 clubs and franchises, separated into two tiers, the MLS Youth League immediately claimed that it was going to serve the elite category of players in this country. Again, people panicked. As Soccer America's Paul Kennedy pointed out, the youth soccer landscape on the boys' side will not fundamentally change. And while he cited commonly talked about issues such as geography and access, he left out the single biggest reason why nothing will significantly change. It is the fact that leagues are far less influential in regard to player development than the actual day-to-day training environment that a player is in. The new MLS Youth League will give its franchises and future franchises and 60 other clubs and franchises an opportunity to play games, but there is no indication that this will vastly improve the insufficient training environments that the majority of these players will still be in. Now, Thankfully, you can receive a high-quality training no matter what team or club you play for, or whatever league you play in. So, it's not the end of the world if your club was not selected to be part of this new MLS Youth League. It might even be more beneficial to be left out at this point because those on the outside, coaches, teams, and clubs, are still free to operate as they please. And there are other very important reasons to consider not being involved with an MLS academy, at least not initially, but that's a topic for another day. So if you happen to be in one of these rare, ultra-competitive environments, it's probably wise that you stay in it regardless of what league your team plays in. If you're not in a competitive training environment, then that is what you should be searching for, regardless of what club or league you land in. Historically, providing an ultra-competitive training environment is where American soccer has fallen short. While exceptions exist, the general feeling from professional players and coaches that have experienced higher levels in other countries is that our country is soft. And if we're talking about serious player development, legit top-level professional player development, we must improve and offer, at scale, more ultra-competitive training environments. And even if you're not really aiming to be a pro, this is still a requirement for a player to fulfill their potential. A lot of that comes down to how good the coach is. Because the coach is responsible for finding the right balance between fun and ultra-competitiveness and using that balance to properly cultivate technically and tactically adept players, as well as players with rock-solid mentalities. Coaches are often unable to find this balance and err too much on the side of fun because they don't have the expertise, experience, or incentive to do so. This is just the reality. It's like any profession. There is a bell curve. There are very few exceptional practitioners, a great majority who are average and the rest who are poor. Worse still, average here in our country translates to below average to poor globally. And guys, average just doesn't get it done. All this to say, we have a huge void when it comes to having a proper, highly competitive training environment. Again, This being more important than what league you are in. Ideally, one would have both, competitive league and the competitive training environment. Unfortunately, without the merit-based mechanism that is promotion relegation, the truly exceptional practitioners generally don't rise to the top, and the mediocre to poor practitioners are not filtered out. The bottom line is that if you've found an exceptional coach and you are getting that competitiveness in training, it's probably wise to stay there. What does an ultra-competitive training environment look like, sound like, and feel like? As I said earlier, it can be hard to judge whether or not the training environment is good. According to Gary Kleiben, 343's founder, you should be able to see it, hear it, and feel it. He went further by saying, and I quote, "'Players must be going at each other, physically, psychologically, and verbally, They need to be getting stuck in. It needs to be intense in every action. It's not, oh, you're my friend, you're my buddy, I'm sorry. It's not, let's bring joy and happiness to training. No, that's soft. When a player shows up to practice, it needs to be, hey, I'm here to compete. I'm here to establish myself within this team. I'm here to do whatever it takes to earn my spot. I'm here to prepare myself for matches on the weekends. I'm here to prepare myself for next year. I'm here to prepare myself for my ultimate goals and dreams of being a professional player. Without a proper training environment, a player won't develop to their potential. End quote. Coaches must be experts in their craft in order to elicit this mentality, encourage this type of behavior, and manage these types of emotions on the training ground. They need to extract all of this out of players in a way that is productive for the team and not destructive to the locker room. Yeah, it's challenging. That's why it's so rare to see such an environment. It's much easier to take the other route and allow a soft culture. But once that happens, it's very hard to turn back the other direction. The elite mentality. In general, American soccer has been lacking ultra-competitive training environments, formidable coaches, and hard-nosed players for many years. The soccer scene here has been dominated by those with recreational mindsets and soft mentalities. It hasn't always been this way, though. American soccer fans might remember the identity of the men's national teams throughout the 1990s. The team was frequently described as blue-collar, hardworking, and gritty. They weren't known for their technical flair or tactical savviness, although they had players like Tab Ramos and Hugo Perez and Claudio Reyna. Instead, they were defined by their toughness and their competitiveness, and their fight-to-the-death attitudes. At some point, this mentality disappeared from the national teams, though. Eventually, it disappeared from American soccer altogether. Men's national team players playing in Europe slowly began coming back to MLS. When they arrived, they appeared to shift into cruise control. They left from ultra-competitive cauldrons like the Premier League and Bundesliga, where they had to fight for their spots every week. Now, they were in MLS where they were guaranteed to start, offered higher wages relative to their true field value and their teammates, and would suffer no punishments for not even making the playoffs. This elite mentality, which is actually better described as a privileged mentality, seemed to start creeping in after the start of the Development Academy in 2008. American soccer became privileged with little credence among the actual world's best. The league even went as far as claiming world-class status. Unfortunately, this privileged mentality infected many players, parents, and coaches across the country, especially those in the MLS circle that demanded even further separation. Closed leagues, driven by parity, seemingly discouraged American coaches from creating an intense and fierce atmosphere for players in training. Why? Well, put simply, they didn't have to, nor did they have an incentive to do so. Our men's national team's blue collar identity slowly diminished before our eyes. Over the years, I have asked Gary Kleiman and his brother Brian what their guys would say when they returned home from national team camps. Their answers never failed to shock me, no matter how many times they had told me before. They would tell me whenever the guys came back from national team camp, whether it was at U14 or U18, they always had to readjust to the club environment because the national team environment was significantly less intense and less competitive. That seems backwards, right? Occasionally, I had the opportunity to witness this and confirm it myself. I would hide in the bushes and spy on training sessions at Home Depot Center. Sometimes, I would get to see the full men's or women's national teams train. Other times, it would be the youth national teams. But I'll never forget the one time that I saw one player that was seemingly uninterested in listening to the coach or participating in any more activities just walk away to go sit down on top of a soccer ball while his teammates finished a drill. It wasn't because he was injured. He played 90 minutes in the upcoming match. It was because the environment allowed it. And I remember asking myself, is this softness really acceptable at the national team level? Sadly, this has proven true time and time again. And like many fans, the image of American players being carried over puddles before losing and being eliminated from the 2018 World Cup qualifying is burned into my brain. To me, that image also represents the culmination of years worth of softness being accepted and applauded. From the top level and down the ranks conclusion here's the thing when people in american soccer circles talk about the competitive environment they mistakenly talk about leagues as if a league is responsible for a player's development and that is just not true the truth is that a league doesn't really matter when it comes to your players development Neither does your club or your national team call-ups or your facilities or your summer tournament schedule. No, it's the ultra-competitive training environment that matters most. But, of course, spending your developmental years in an ultra-competitive training environment doesn't guarantee that you will make it to the pros. But developing in a soft environment will almost certainly ensure you won't achieve your potential at any level don't go anywhere. We are going to answer your questions from last week's episode in just a moment. But first, a quick message about our player masterclass. Our flagship program helps coaches and trainers discern what is good for their teams and for their players. But now we've created a program for parents because parents, you are personal trainers too. Yep. That's right, and in order to properly mentor your player, you need to know what's good and what's not. Just like coaches, you and your player are flooded with thousands of training videos on YouTube and Instagram, but most of them are a waste of time because they aren't relevant. They don't translate to the real game, and figuring out what does and what doesn't and why is just flat out difficult, especially if you don't have a background in soccer to lean on. So we've taken Brian Kleibin's more than 20 years of experience working with teams and individual players from U9 to U19 and extracted valuable lessons that can help you navigate the minefield that is American youth soccer. But this isn't just about drills. That's only a small fraction of it. And to be honest, you can get drills anywhere. What you're getting with the 343 Masterclass are the cultural lessons and an education in philosophy that other trainers and courses don't offer. It's these elements that can help you understand the landscape, read the game on and off the field, and translate everything into real development for your player. Right now, you can get on the list for the 343 Masterclass. We're currently rolling it out little by little to small groups. To reserve your spot, go to 343 Masterclass. Com. All right, we are back to answer one of your questions from a previous episode, and this week's question comes from a listener named Ricky, and Ricky asks, what do you think it is about American society in particular that leads to this kind of mentality? And by that, he means fun over grind. To answer this question, here is 343's founder, Gary Klein.
1: Hey, Ricky. Thanks for the question. I think it's a question that's definitely above my pay grade because I'm, I'm not an expert in American society at large. I think that's a huge topic, a huge subject. I actually don't know who can be considered an expert in that since it's such a broad thing. Um, I think I know a little bit about American soccer. So I think, uh, I'll try to merge both those topics and try to give you my thoughts. In general, I would say that here in the States, there's a level of comfort that most people have um, with life. There isn't much struggle in the sense that we have a roof over our heads, we have food on the table, and you know perhaps some amount of disposable income, which could lead to us being soft, right? Versus people who come from the inner cities or are in poverty or barely making ends meet, you know, week in, week out uh, here in our country. Or if you look elsewhere in the world, they don't have it as good. Uh, Looking at the slums of Brazil, Argentina, all of South America really, and elsewhere across the globe. So that softness, if I may be so bold as to draw a correlation there, translates then to our American soccer fields because the demographic that controls and basically runs mainstream American soccer is the one that I just finished describing a more affluent type of demographic with disposable income that can shell out thousands of dollars a year for their kids to play on the weekends. Um, And then their kids follow suit uh, with their parents' values, demeanors, and, and degree of hardness or softness. So that's my little take on why we see what we see in the American soccer fields. The other route I could potentially take this is 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 if you look at American society, it's kind of strange to call us soft sometimes because we're grinders. Uh, Most everybody works nine to five jobs, uh, five days a week, 40 hours a week at least. And that's hard, that's a hard life because many of us don't like what it is that we do and nonetheless, We have to wake up every day, go to work and quote unquote grind it out uh, to, you know, to get paid and then have the roof over our heads and have the meals on our tables. So in that respect, American society can be viewed as a society that grinds and it grinds its people to the bone, um, grinds its labor force to the bone. And then how that translates to what we see in American soccer as being soft on the weekends could potentially be people want to escape from the daily grind and then they don't want to have the weekends also be a grind and, and, and their recreational soccer activities also be a grind. Um, so maybe they're looking for a reprieve from the grind and hence why American soccer is soft. So you can look at it maybe both ways and then a mixture of, of the two. And of course this is a longer conversation to be had, Uh, to be debated but those are my thoughts Uh, feel free to follow up thanks man
0: all right thank you for listening Do you have a question about the topic that we covered in this episode? If so, we'd love to hear from you and we will be answering some of your questions at the end of next week's episode. Submit your questions on Twitter or head to 343coaching.com to leave your question in the comment section. Make sure that you are subscribed to 343FM on your favorite podcasting app. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more platforms. And if you're feeling super generous, we'd love it if you dropped us a five-star rating or a review. And don't forget that you can find our entire library of podcast episodes, over 200 written articles, and our online courses that help accelerate the development of coaches and players using methods that have been proven to work here in the United States. Once again, all of that can be found at 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time here on the 343 Podcast.